Hi everyone and welcome to episode 16 of the Two Sporting Muppets. I'm My name's Greg and I'm here with my co-host Gray. Welcome to the microphone, Gray. Hi Greg, how are you? How's yeah, your week been? Been good. We were just saying it's been a bit quieter in sport, bit of a down week, but you know, we were just brainstorming and still plenty to talk about. Maybe a bit quieter on the local front and a bit more international news this week. I think that's a fair call, Greg. World Cup going on, the Rugby League World Cup. MLB, NBA, all sorts of things, but still a couple of things going on locally, which is great. But yeah, in particularly after the you know, very busy football season, with the two it, big football codes having finished and cricket not quite starting bit in, of a earne- in earnest yet, it's it's a bit of a quieter week. But I'm sure we'll still come up with plenty to chat about, have an opinion about. So are we ready to get into it? We certainly are. All right, mate. Let's go. So we'll start with. Rugby League World Cup, which has been held in the UK, of course, in the primarily in the north of England. So some interesting results. Uh, Australia had their had their first hit out, forty two defeating Fiji, forty two to eight. It was I didn't watch the game. I saw the the mini, you know, twenty minute highlights. Australia were a little bit scrappy at times, but they got the job done. And look, considering they haven't played for quite a few weeks, a lot of the players. Know, getting used to the conditions, it was a pretty convincing performance. I was the same as you. I didn't see the game in full. I watched the mini, but you're right. I, I it was a bit scrappy, but I think that's to be expected for a couple of levels. You know, the Australian team haven't played together in three years, so those players haven't played together. A lot of those players haven't played for a number of weeks if they got knocked out earlier in the finals or didn't even make the finals in the NRL. So the Penrith players, and then the Penrith and Parramatta players come in a bit tired back to back. So. You, you know, that gelling is going to take a couple of games. That they, they were It was a convincing win over a team they were expected to beat comfortably. A but, solid start. But, but it was a solid start. But I agree, they were a little bit scrappy. Now, to talk about the half-back position, look, DCE or Cherry Evans, he, he wasn't, it was pretty, not mediocre, but he didn't do a lot. He did, did what he had to, but certainly didn't start. Quite a few changes for the next game against Scotland this weekend. So about six changes, I think. Six debutantes. Penrith boys, uh, Yo Cleary, I think Liam Martin's getting a run, uh, Lindsay Collins from the Roosters. So yeah, a, a different different team. Look, I'm not surprised. Uh, again, Scotland's a, a weaker rugby league nation, so they'll be expected to win this comfortably. And I think Mal, the coach, Mal Meninga, the coach, you know, playing with combinations as, as he settles into coach with, players that really haven't played together before as he works out the best combinations going forward. So not surprised he's made significant changes or a number of changes for this game. Yeah, he needs to have a look at them, doesn't he? Probably the most interesting one for this game is uh, Munster and Cleary playing in the halves. be interesting to see them as a combination. Yeah, I agree. See how they go. Hopefully Scotland provide enough of resistance to actually a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, I'm not sure they will. No, I don't think they will either, but it'll be interesting to see how it goes. So looking forward to that one. Just some of the other results. And this is one that definitely got a bit of coverage. England 60, Samoa 6. Now, England were the outsiders, considered the outsiders for this game. Yeah, a lot of the media was, you know, noting that they would struggle in this World Cup, that they, you know, might not even be at the the end of the the tournament, but they certainly started on the right foot. And Samoa were poor. We, We spoke about them in our last pod quite highly expecting big things from them, but they, they weren't ready to go at all in that game, and England came out firing. Now, flat is the word, isn't it? England looked really good. But Samoa was so poor, weren't they, that it's hard to judge how good England were. Were England just ready to go? Look, first game, England always going to be ready. They're at home. Super League hasn't finished that long ago. They're fit, ready. But big things from Samoa. I'm not quite ready to write them off yet. Up one game, but if they don't, if they don't have a huge improvement next game, they're yeah they're really up against it. I, I agree. One game in the way the tournament's structured, they're not out of it. They can still you know make that second round moving forward. But if they don't improve significantly, even if they do move forward, they're not going to go anywhere anyway because they they were really flat. And on paper, they're a much oh, they're better team, outstanding much team. better team than that result. And as you said, you and I and the bookies had them as favourites to beat England. So. Once again, the favourite favourites get rolled. Interesting. I'm not sure if you saw the Her- Sydney Morning Herald this morning. Uh, interesting article by Andrew Webster, who I do rate as a journalist. 
thought he might have gone off a bit early. He basically got into uh, Matt Parrish, Samoa coach. Matt Parrish has coached Samoa since 2013, I think, and just saying he's underachieved and uh, basically he's he's useless. I'm trying to think, well, what if they come out and you know get on a roll and start winning? I yeah, I just thought it was interesting to look. That, that's play. a bit harsh, given the fact that like the Australian team, majority of those players have come off the NRL. They haven't played together as a team. You know, they've got to acclimatise to the conditions in England. They've got to work out combinations to play together as a team. He's not coached that combination before. They were poor, don't get me wrong, they were poor. But to come out that hard against Samoa after one game, I think that's a bit harsh. Yeah, and Matt Parrish, look, he's been an assistant, state of origin, well-respected. If he was talking about Matt Parrish in his playing career, perhaps he was, he was, <laughs> he was the epitome of a, of a, of a trundler. He was just a solid, in and out of first grade, very, very ordinary player. No offence, Matt, but that's the reality, and I'm sure we probably admit it. But, yeah, I just thought he went, Andrew Webster went off a bit early. But we'll see what happens. He might you know, he might turn out to be totally correct. Sometimes, you know, sometimes teams need a result like that as a bit of a wake-up call to get their act together. So it may actually be, you know, a bit of a cliche, but it may actually be a benefit to them to get their head in the right place and, and realise how you know, competitive this tournament's going to be. For sure. Other results, Greg. So we had Italy 28, Scotland 4. Hence why you said, you know, that's against Italy. How is Scotland going to go against Australia? Ireland 48, Jamaica 2. No surprises there. Didn't even know Jamaica were in it this time. So there's a... Ireland got not a bad squad. You know, some NRL player. Luke Keary, I think he's in the halves. Name one, and there's a few others as well. New Zealand and Lebanon. New Zealand 34, Lebanon 12. Look, competitive game. Adam Dewey, the West Tigers 5 was sent off with the scent. I, I read that. I didn't see any of the game at all, but I read that he was sent off. Which is unfortunate. And he's appealing a ban. I think it's a mandatory one-game ban if you're sent off. Not totally sure. That's what I think I read or heard somewhere. Look, Lebanon need Dewey on the park. They've got Mitchell Moses as the halfback. And Dewey, which is not a bad combination. That's not a bad combination. And they're they're a pretty good team, Lebanon. I think Coach Chica, the rubber union. Michael Chica. Yeah, Michael Chica's coaching them, I think. But yeah, they really need Dewey on the park. But they can yeah, they can certainly still press Lebanon. But it'd be very hard without Adam Dewey. Look, France thirty four twelve over Greece, no surprise there. The best game of the tournament so far. Or well, two really good games. Tonga twenty four, P and G eighteen. Really, you know, really tight contest. And P&G, who aren't noted for their defence, they're normally, you know, attacking team. Exciting, attacking, fast-running team, yep. But, yeah, they really defended well. But Tonga, you know, Tonga, a bit more experienced, perhaps, you know, after doing so well in the last World Cup, got the biggies there. And the Cook Islands got a win. They 18-12 over Wales. That's a good result for them. Yeah, because remember they played in the mid, mid-year series and got a bit of a touch-up. I think it was from Samoa or Fiji. But yeah, no, they're you know, tiny nation. You know, their pool of players to draw from is extremely small. So that's a really good result. That said, a lot of their players would be have NRL experience. So heading into this weekend, we mentioned Australia and Scotland. It's tomorrow morning. Look, Fiji play Italy, England, France. That'll be an interesting game. Look, England will be the rightful favourites, but, but France, you know, they, they're always competitive. New Zealand, Jamaica, be a walkover, you'd think. Look, this is probably a really interesting game, Lebanon Island, because the winner of that is a chance to take out second spot in their pool. The loser of that won't. They probably won't make the second spot. So that's a really important game for those two nations, Samoa and Greece, Tonga and Wales, and this should be a really good game, PNG and the Cook Islands. That would be exciting, that last one. Yeah, form on the board. They both played really well in their last games. So that you know, that should be really good watch, I think. Just looking at the tables, so Group A, we've got England, France, Greece, and Samoa. So Samoa really need to get their get in the gear. They do, because their forward against will hurt them now as well. Group C, Ireland, New Zealand, Lebanon, Jamaica. So that's Lebanon once again, that game's so important. Otherwise Ireland will probably take that second spot. Group B, Australia, Italy, Scotland, Fiji. You know, it's Australia and the rest. You'd, you'd think Fiji, but we'll see. Italy haven't got a bad team. 
and Group D's Cook Islands, Tonga, PNG and Wales. So one of the two of those teams. So you'd think Tonga, probably PNG, but we'll see how, see how it pans out. So yeah, so that's this weekend. Lots of people will be up early or staying up late to watch it. Look, it's really well televised. The fact that obviously you can watch it live, but Fox Sports because they televise every game. You get up in the morning. There's a you can either watch short and replay or twenty minute minis. You, know, you, you get the whole, which is all. The, yeah, I, I find them great to catch up on when you've got a big tournament mini games. I find those mini from Fox excellent to catch up. Yeah, like you, sometimes you don't quite get the flow of the game, but you see all the all the action, all the tries, all the big hits. So yeah, I find it's really good if you miss the game. Now, NRL news, Greg. Not a lot this week. Look, really sad news. The recent days of Dolphins, Redcliffe Dolphins player Leon Hampson was found dead in a nightclub in Barcelona in Spain. Really yeah, sad news. Not much news about the background, but yeah, really sad news. It was only yesterday or the day before. It was very recent, but uh, but I, I did read there was some um, Gold Coast and Brisbane players there as well. So Yeah, no, really. Look, hopefully support for each other there. Yeah, condolences to Liam's family and friends. Really, really bad news. And look, whatever comes out of it, regardless of, of that tragedy, that's the only way to, only way to describe Absolutely. it. Other news, look, not much. There's a little bit of noise out of Manly, not surprisingly, with the Des Hasler thing. All these BS last week. Oh, the Trevojevic brothers are going to leave. They're going nowhere. Um, Seabold's basically been offered a deal, I think. Not official yet, but... Oh, it's going to happen. It, it sounds like all the... No, I think it's a... From what I've read and understand, it's a done deal. Just waiting for the official announcement. Now, it's funny we spoke briefly last week about NRL coaches, favourites to be sacked, and the next day there was an article in one of the papers, first, who will be the first coach to be sacked. And Anthony Griffin was certainly... He's got to be under the... I know it's my team, Dragon supporter for many years, and certainly have not performed to where we should have been, I believe, with the squads they've had. He's got to be under the microscope in those first four to six rounds, I'd say. Now, an article we both saw this morning, a really positive one, Casey Badger. I really like this. Yeah. I actually um, messaged it to you when I read it. I, this is fantastic news, I thought. Yeah, so do I. So Casey Badger, the female referee, has been appointed as referee of, I forget which game it is, Tonga and... But yeah, Casey, Casey is taking the whistle. Well, Casey has refereed, I think, second, went the two referee player in the NRL once or twice. But but never but never not, in the not single since ref. we've gone back to the single referee. She I'm sure she's refereed when we had the two referees in the NRL men's NRL game. But this is the first time that a woman's got to referee a top class men's game in the single referee era. So I reckon that's fantastic news. Oh, it's wonderful. And look, we you met Casey, didn't you? Yeah, we actually got, working met together. Both Casey and Gavin, a husband who was a referee as well, worked when we were working in schools. Yeah. There's schools all that they came out and working for the ARL, you know, doing development and like a six week program with the kids and they'll be fantastic. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And look, I know the article talked about it's only a matter of time before herself or the other female number one referee, Belinda, whose name surname yeah. escapes me. Sherman, is it? Oh, it was Sherman and then she married not, not sure. Yeah, it might be a different name now. But yes, Belinda. Before they get to referee a first an NRL game, and I, you know, hope the day comes sooner rather than later. Yeah, so do I. Look, people who know the game I have spoken to say uh, allegedly the problem the problem is, or the reason they haven't, is the speed of the game. They can't quite perhaps stay up with the speed. But how are you going to know? Yeah, I, 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 I don't I, buy that because no. there's not enough evidence to support that. I, that sounds like more of an excuse. To me? It does to me as well. I think, well, how are you going to know? Throw them in and see what happens. You know, highly respected. Both both women now highly respected in the refereeing ranks. Performing at it, she must be to get the nod to do a World Cup match. So I really hope next season that we see either or both referee an NRL game. I really do. I hope so. And like, look, and this, I'm sure Casey will do well. This performance, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's only a matter of time. Or it should only be a matter should of time. should only be a matter of time. But good luck so, to yeah, Casey. Yeah, good luck to Casey. It's a game I'm interested in. Just, uh, you know, I know she'll do well, but, you know, hopefully it's a it's a great game and she does a fantastic job and I have no doubt she will. But I thought it was fantastic news this morning. Yeah, really positive. World Cups, T20 World Cup, cricket. Lots of excitement 
about this around the place. I've a couple of people I know, Indian people I know, been chatting about it, and they you can imagine, you know, Indians just live for their live cricket. Live and breathe cricket. And they were saying, because they live around where we live in Sydney, and they were saying nearly everyone they know is heading down to Melbourne this weekend for the India-Pakistan Pakistan game, clash. Yeah. You know, to start off. Now, I got my wires crossed a bit last week. It was Last week was just the, what do they call it? The second-tier teams. Second-tier teams. Playing for one spot or two spots? Two spots, I believe. Yeah, so there was some games in... Geelong. Uh, yeah, I know Geelong had a few. But probably the biggest upset... Namibia, Namibia, sorry, get it right, Gray. 163 for seven, beat Sri Lanka, bowled out for 108. That was a smashing. Absolute smashing. Um, the might of the Netherlands over the UAE. I think you watched that, didn't you, I mate? did. I actually sent you a sarcastic text, and I had to retract it a little bit. Because it's a good game, you said. Because it turned out to be a really exciting game at the end. And kudos to UAE, the way they bowled and fielded. Netherlands should have won it comfortably, the way they started. But UAE in the field and bowled really, really well. And it, it came down the last over. It was a really exciting game to watch in the end. That's good. The thing with sport, isn't it? Just because they're lower ability teams or tiered doesn't always mean that they're not quality games to watch. They can be really competitive. They were really well, two really well-matched teams, as it turned out. Yes, they're second tier, but they were really well-matched. Now, another upset, Scotland. 160, West Indies bowled out for 118. Isn't it? How the mighty have fallen. I was just about to say that. Isn't it interesting to see teams like Sri Lanka and West Indies now in that second tier of teams, along with countries like the UAE and Namibia and, and the Netherlands, that Sri Lanka and West Indies are, are in that category. And you'd go, oh, well, they'll, they'll basically be the two teams that automatically go through. But look at the results. and They're not. You know, Ireland's in that group as well and had past performances performed really well. That's right. Yeah, it's in being... Zimbabwe beat Ireland. So it's all over the shop. A little bit sad, but T20, it's the form of cricket where anything can happen True. at times. You know, yet one batter just has a good day, gets 100, it can really shape shape the match. Um, other match, Netherlands then beat Namibia. Um, Sri Lanka flogged UAE. They got back to got their groove back. Ireland narrowly beat Scotland in, a, in their next game. And West Indies back to form over Zimbabwe. And yesterday, so I've been I've obviously played off, I guess, for the spots. Sri Lanka beat the Netherlands. UAE beat Namibia. Oh. I think I'll just have to practice saying Namibia, Greg. Namibia. Another 50 times. Sorry about that, everyone. And today, there's a couple more games today. But then, competition proper so starts this weekend. So the first teams start this weekend. Now, 6 p.m. tomorrow at the SCG, Australia versus New Zealand. The Super 12, it's called. And, of course, in Sydney town, it's raining. Yes. Very wet. As we look out the window right now, quite wet. I just hope that there's enough. it's not like torrential, like pouring all day. If it's on and off stuff, you can get a T20 in normally. But it would be really embarrassing to say if to schedule mm. it and not, and not get it done. Who knows? Can't control the weather, sadly. I agree with you, but you can't control the weather. We've got England, Afghanistan. Sri Lanka playing to be decided. Interesting. Look, the absolute ripper. Sunday at the MCG, 7 p.m., India versus Pakistan. That'll be a highlight. Must watch. Absolutely. Crowd going ballistic. Oh, be worth viewing just for the just for the crowd. You know, just two na- absolute cricket-loving nations Highly competitive. Fair to say they don't like each other a lot. Tend to not like each other. Yeah, I agree. I was about to say the same thing. So it's going to, well, on paper anyway, it should be an absolute ripper. Got Just depends which Pakistan team turns up. There can be absolute world beaters, but not always quite in the right headspace and sometimes not there. Hit and miss. Very hit and miss. And you're right. It can be just what mood they're in that morning or afternoon. Bangladesh play the Netherlands. And South Africa play it to be decided. So it must be finishing off the divisional thing, I guess. So that sounds like Sri Lanka have come through and Netherlands have come through. And then... Based on results. On Tuesday, Australia play Sri Lanka. On next Tuesday. And there's some other games going on. So, yeah. So this weekend gets it all underway. 
be really interesting to see how it goes. I think from the T12, they move to quarterfinals. Would that be right? I think that's right. So four teams will drop out. And then it goes to sudden death, which should be really interesting. Um, look, great for cricket. It's early in the season. But T20, it's, shall we say, very easily consumable. It's an easy watch, isn't it? It's an easy watch. It's a short watch. It's over in, as you said, three hours a whole match. If it's a full match, over in three hours. So it's it's, it's very TV-friendly, very viewership-friendly, family-friendly. Yeah, and hope, hopefully it's a, a quality tournament. Just talk briefly, Greg, your, your favourite, your hoops, your NBA. So the NBA has started. NBA kicked off this week. Uh, opening night, we had... Let me get this right. Celtics versus Philly, Philadelphia in the East, which the Celtics won. And in the West, we had the Gold State Warriors against the Lakers, and Gold State won comfortably. And then the rest of the teams kicked off yesterday. And the Golden State got presented with their rings. They had their they ring did. ceremony before the game for being last season's champions. So that, that was interesting. I watched a bit of that game. Lakers look terrible. I don't know what they're going to do this season, but they look absolutely awful. They were awful, were they? They were awful, which was all the predictions before the season started. It's a very weirdly constructed team that have some superstars but don't work well together in in terms of strengths and abilities. Egos. Egos. Well. So they have what on paper, looking at names, should be really strong, but the team just doesn't gel at all. So they're going to have a really long, interesting season. And I, have, I dare say they'll be... Some movements on the Lakers team as the season moves forward. Uh, in the East, there's a number of teams. East, over my watching, 30 years of watching basketball, the East has always been the weaker conference. Can't say that's the case anymore. Nope, still very strong. Milwaukee's really strong. Celtics, really strong. Philadelphia, really strong. Then they'd be my top three, but then very closely behind, you've got Brooklyn, Toronto, Miami. So strong, yeah, that's really that's strong teams, really strong teams in the West. Gold State will be uh, thereabouts. Uh, the LA Clippers look really good now; they're all healthy back on the court. Phoenix, I think, will go yep. well again Suns. this year. The Suns, Dallas, will be thereabout. There's no clear favourite standout on either side. It should be a really good season, mm. actually. So, so, any Smokies? Not really. The team, I think. Not a smoky to win, but I think could perform bad above their weight or box above their weight is OKC. Mm-hmm. They're still really young and dumb and constructing <laughs> a team, but they're yep. starting to get a couple of years together. And they're really exciting and energetic. So I'm just wondering whether they'll surprise a few teams. So they're my keep your eye on. Won't, won't your, be there in yep. the end, but keep your eye could on. Could be like I, a development year. I think they'll have start to have some really good games. All right. So and Greg, you'll update us throughout throughout the NBA season, weekly slash fortnightly NBA updates from now on. Now we're into it. Now, whilst we're in that part of the world, the Major League Baseball they're into their conference or the league championships. So the MLB has two leagues: the National League and the American League. So now they're into the final two from each of those. And the winners of the, whoever wins the champ, league championship plays off the World Series. So we have in the American League, the Astros are playing the Yankees. Now, two really strong teams. Everyone knows about the Yankees. You know, there's highest profile baseball team on the planet. But they've had a really good, good series. They beat Cleveland, uh, the newly named Cleveland Guardians, in their series. The Astros took care, I think it was Seattle, in their playoffs. And that was reasonably good series, but Astros were way too strong. So they've started. Astros won yesterday, 4-2. Um, they came from behind to win. And they're playing the Yankees uh, as we speak at the moment. Neil Law there in about the second innings. So two really strong teams. Two games in Houston, and they head head to – it's a seven-game series. Then they head to New York, back to Astros, back to New York, if if seventh game is required. So we one of those two. Look, fair to say – High profile um, over the last five years, you know, high achieving teams. Now, on the other side, the National League, we've got a bit of a fairy tale team. Look, the Padres, who San Diego Padres, who have been an improving team, as have the Phillies, but they made the wild card game, scraped into that against, we mentioned last week, my team, the Mets, who, and they won the three game series, the Padres. And then I thought, oh, well, they're not going to 
it'll be the end of the matter against the Dodgers. You know, their local 150Ks up the road neighbours, the big, big brother. LA Dodgers won 110 games this year, which is incredible. And I thought, yeah, well, they'll take care of the Padres. But a really good series? No, and the Padres won that series. Great. So I actually watched one of them. We were just talking before we started recording. I watched one of the games. It was outstanding. Dodgers were up. I think it was 4-1 when I switched it on. And the Padres just finished amazingly in the, in the last, I think it was the last five innings I watched. Brilliant game of baseball. Really loved it. It was really exciting. And kudos to the Padres because they are phenomenal. Deserve to win. And it's a really good little stadium they have there in San Diego, right right in the middle of town. You know, when they take the long shots, almost in the city, so to speak. And it's been a while for the Padres between drinks. They have been struggling. Well, they've been building the last few years. Before that, lots of struggling. So to see them get that far, well, potentially one series away from the World Series is outstanding. But also the Philadelphia Phillies. You know, they've had a strong season, and they're tied up at... Padres won yesterday, 8-5, but they're tied up now at one all. So it's... Should be a good series. Yeah, so you know, either of those teams, one of those teams will make the World Series, and that would be interesting to see a team that's not, you know, always up there, so to speak. Playing off. And yeah, and the Dodgers, they'll be lamenting the season that should have, could have, could have been, been, but yeah. wasn't. Now, back over the heading over the Atlantic, the EPL, we haven't spoken too much about the f- football, the round ball game, but just having a look at the EPL, look, no surprise. <laughs> if you were asked to name the top six, you'd probably get five just from nor- what normally is the case with the EPL. So we've got Arsenal, in f- it's only very early days, 10 games. They've played 10 games. But Arsenal, Man City, Tottenham, Chelsea, Man United, probably the only surprise, Newcastle are sixth, Liverpool seventh. Real improver, Brighton. You know, smaller club down the south coast there are, are currently coming eighth. Then we've got Fulham, Brentford, and then, for what I don't like the word lesser teams, but the smaller clubs, definitely. So we've got Crystal Palace, Bournemouth, my team, West Ham in 13th, Southampton, Everton, Leeds, Aston Villa, and in the relegation zone, although it's very early days, Wolves, Leicester City, and Nottingham Forest. So, look, going the top the top six, not nothing unexpected there. Look, the bottom, they'll, that'll be a hard-fought contest to stay up, away from the relegation. Yeah, as always, takes a while to get going. It is a long season, 38 games. Plus, we've got a World Cup in between. Are they break, is APL having a break for the World Cup? Yeah. I believe all European soccer is taking, taking a break, I think. Could be proven wrong, but I'm pretty sure they're taking a break for that. Yeah, a bit of an unusual season and how it will look for the games played or making them up or whatever. But yeah, it's yeah, it's as always, would be interesting. Particularly, it's always about Christmas. It gets really interesting. We're about halfway through and they play a lot of games over that Christmas New Year period. And plus, they break, as you mentioned, that break for the World Cup. So, yeah. So, that's where the EPL is at. And we'll check back in on the EPL in a couple, in a couple of weeks. Now, Greg Netball, the Constellation Cup is going on at the moment. Yeah, great rivalry, Australia and New Zealand in the netball. Two very strong netball countries and been very strong for a long time. Play a series each year called the Constellation Cup. The first two games were played in New Zealand, which New Zealand won. And then the third game was played in Melbourne this week or week just passed. And Australia won that. Which And there is a fourth game. So it's still the tournament's still up in the air, which is great. It's on Sunday in at the Gold Coast Convention Centre. So I'm thinking I might tune into Fox and or KO and, and watch the Diamonds and see how they go on home soil against the, I think it's the Silver Ferns, the New Zealand Silver, Silver, Silver Ferns, Ferns, it is I indeed. Think it is, um, on Sunday in that netball tournament. They're always close to netball. Australia and New Zealand in most sports are very competitive and, and netball as much as any or more so than some history of being two really strong netball countries. So I think I'll tune into that on Sunday and have a bit of watch of that game. Yeah, no, it should be good. Now we can sort of flick between that and the, the cricket. Yeah, after what after watching highlights of the Rugby League World Cup, plenty happening. Now, Greg, something we have we haven't talked much about racing, about horse racing, but very huge event. Uh, the Everest was held in Sydney last Saturday, as also was the Caulfield Cup. Now, 
the Everest, as you probably know, it's that race that's only started a few years ago. Ridiculously large prize money. Don't know what your thoughts on it. I I'm I don't like it at all. I just think they're trying to use money to create this great buzz and event just by throwing ridiculous prize money at it. I don't rate horse racing at all, so let me start with Yeah, my, I know, I know it's I know you're not a horse racing. I'm I struggle with seeing it as a sport to be honest but that said it is you know it is some big days on the the calendar in australia i think you know underpinning ever was to try and compete with the buzz around the melbourne cup in victoria yes and that, that sydney new south wales could have a race of similar or equal uh, you know similar credentials similar profile similar buzz as what the melbourne cup does yep on that, that look- first tuesday in november and but having said that, that's only my opinion. But it's starting to work. I think they had forty six thousand at Round Week on Saturday, the biggest race crowd in thirty years. It's only been running about five years too, hasn't the Everest? I think. Yeah, and it, and it takes time. It does take time to build. Yeah. So look, I, I guess I'm sort of going against what I just said. It, it is building. Like I said, when it started, I thought, uh, you know, but look, Valand- Peter Valandis once again in charge of the you know Sydney racing. He's a stirrer, and he loves getting stuck in the Victoria and Melbourne. And, hey, in Sydney anyway, you didn't hear about the Caulfield Cup. No. All you heard about was the Everest. Only about the Everest, I agree. So, you know, in that respect. And I I dare say, I think young people, from what I've seen, are right into it. You know, know, all the celebrities, but all just just the young people in general getting dressed up and going for a huge day. They seem to love it. So... So I guess well done, Peter Valenti. I don't think it's going anywhere in the short term anyway. So in the actual result, it was a giga kick. Was really great performance. The favourite was Nature Strip, who came fourth. Okay, so the punters did their money there. Once again, the bookies. I think the bookies were happy with that result. Yeah, so a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, so it was giga kick first, private eye second, and Mazu was third placed. So... Now, heading down to Melbourne, Greg, so the Caulfield Cup was run. I think the Geelong Cup was during the week. So the lead-up to the Melbourne Cup is well and truly on. It's the Cox Plate this weekend, which generally true race people, it's, best race, it's the best race in Australia. They find it because it's weight for age at Mooney Valley. So that be interesting there. And then we lead up the following week into the Derby, Derby Day and then the Melbourne Cup. So... Great couple of weeks for you, my friend. Yes. Big on the sporting calendar, but not for me. Mm. Do you get into Melbourne Cup Day? Not really. Not really? No, to be honest, no. Nah, it's not my thing. Horse racing is just not my thing. Which is fair enough. But it's look, it, it's not a bad little segue. Well, not so much gambling, but at the huge advertising, the huge money world. Because we're going to have a chat when we About come back. sponsorship and the yeah, ethics yeah. of companies that sponsor sports and where should athletes stand on that? And how all that all that sort of fits in, doesn't it? And look, at the moment, no surprise, gambling is a huge part of that, gambling advertising. So we'll have a chat about that shortly. But Greg, that's it for our review. As you said, a little bit shorter perhaps. Yeah, I was just looking at that, a little bit shorter. We've still got well over half an hour of con, um, things to talk about. So although it's a bit quieter, still plenty of sport going on. Always. A quiet... Well, you said there's never a never a silent week in sport. Never quiet. You might get you might get busy, quiet, quieter, but never silent. I think that's very true. It never stops. All right, Gray. I thought this week we might have a bit of a chat about sports sponsorship, and I guess this came to my attention on the back of on the back of the Australian Diamonds netball team this week refusing to have the sponsor, which is Gene Reinhardt, one of Gene Reinhardt's mining companies, on the front of their uniform. And it came from the fact that there's a, an indigenous player in the netball team that is completely opposed and offended to the history of the Reinhardt slash Langcock yep. mining Lang family Hancock. and Lang yep. Hancock being her father, a well-known explicit racist to the point of saying that we need to wipe the Aboriginal people out completely. Mm-hmm. And her, she took offence to the background to the company that was now sponsoring and refused to wear the name on her uniform and the team, the rest of the players basically backed her and are refusing to have the sponsorship 
company or the company sponsoring them on the front of the Australian uniform. On the back of that, further that conversation, Pat Cummins then came out a few days later against Alinta Energy, which are the sponsor of the all cricket or men's cricket? I'm not sure. Not sure. Should know that. Certainly the men's cricket Definitely team. Definitely the men's Australian which men's cricket team. He's an electricity slash energy company, but my understanding is they're Chinese owned and backed and haven't always had the highest environmental regards from my understanding. And his came out, you know, ethically, are they the right sponsor for Australian cricket going forward? That said, he was appeared in the early ads when they signed up and got paid for those. So I guess where does he sit on that fence of that? And then we, you and I have had a lot of conversations around the impact and influence that sports betting companies now have on sport and sports sponsorship. Huge. And socially, where should that be and the impact, and sadly, the negative impact that gambling has and continues to have in our society and the role they play in sport and sport plays in gambling. So I thought we could have a bit of a chat around sponsorship. And there's lots to talk about, isn't there? Firstly, Greg, I think it's important probably to note, without sponsorship, professional sport wouldn't exist because it's so important that... That's where most of the money comes from, pumping pumping that money in, to, whether at the actual competition itself or individual clubs. It's so important. Like anything, it's not always black and white either. We can have a talk about that a little bit later. But it, it is look, it is very topical, particularly with the, the the gambling. Probably a good place to start. It's just everywhere, isn't it? It you cannot escape it. You can't turn on sport in Australia and not see gambling ads either pre the game, post the game, many cases during the game, halftime updates on the odds. It's become synonymous with sport that there's gambling advertisements that go with it. Well, something that I've never thought about until someone mentioned it the other day, like, you know, my kids of 15, 13, they've basically never seen sport that doesn't have it. Ever since they've, you know, probably four or five in their consciousness of sport, it's just part of the deal. Yeah, very true. And that that's a bit of a worry. It's I feel for anyone who's has a gambling problem, you can't escape it. It's no, just it's the temptation fa- is in their just, face all the time. Yeah. Look, it's a very interesting topic, Greg, because you can go so many different ways with it. Um, the Abri- the netball, the diamonds one, absolutely, Len Hancock, blatant racist. I think. Because that company is still is still part of all that, I think very legitimate. I guess though, you could argue on the other side of that. You know, well, that's Gina Reinhardt's father. That's not her. There's also, you know what I mean? There's also the murky. Where do you draw the line? Where, where How far line? back do you go? Even on, you know, you dig deep enough, you'll find skeletons in most people most people's slash companies' closets. So. You could keep looking, I guess, and where where do you draw the line? And your comment before, corporate sponsorship is essential, for particularly in countries like Australia with smaller populations. Yep, definitely. You know, to have the number of teams that we want in our competitions, you need corporate sponsorship to foot most of the bill. So it's a real fine line of where do you draw the line and, and, and what criteria, if we're going to have this... Who's acceptable to who's acceptable to sponsor teams and who's not? Who's drawing up that criteria and what are the motives behind that? It, it's it's challenging. It's really you know, hard. Big, very challenging. And know, it, I was going to say it goes towards, isn't it? The ethical. It's ethical because everything that has is and has been to do with sponsorship has been legal products, obviously, but either due to health reasons or as you said, ethically, deemed not appropriate. Now, sporting, like the gambling one, like, as we know, gambling, as we said, it's challenging because straight away you can say, well, anything. We've had cigarette advertising for many years, cricket and football, Winfield Cup, Benson and Hedges Cup. We've had alcohol, lots of alcohol advertising, you know, VB and, or, you know, still now. You know, the Australian cricket team was VB recently. I think one of the wine companies sponsors the Australian Open. Is it one of the... Yes. I can't think of which one it is, but it's one of the wine... Is it Penfolds or something? Penfolds. Quite prominent, not Mm. the major, but quite prominent Mm. sponsorship of the Australian Open tennis. And you could say, okay, and obviously there are alcoholism is a problem in society, but the companies say 
and they've got every right to say, well, you know, this is a product. We're not responsible for who drinks it. Same as gambling. You know, gam- this is a product. We say, you know, do it sensibly. Is it our responsibility for people to make their own choices? And, yeah, that's where it gets very murky. And although I must say that it, it does annoy me, the gambling just totally in everyone's face and they have their little disclaimer down the bottom whatever it says you know minute text or read really fast yeah, yeah. really fast or minute saying or um, sarcastically or mocking, mockingly said at the end gamble response yeah, gamble without response. no seriousness in the comment yes yeah that's that's a concern but your point about being legal companies is a good one yeah well all legal products you know, said what how can you be a legal product but then be banned from, which it has been, because cigarettes are still legal in Australia. Yep. And yet they can't sponsor sporting teams or sporting events. Yeah. Like, like obviously with kids, well, no, not appropriate for under 18s, cigarette or alcohol advertising. Similar in you know our, our workspace, the education space, you know, we're not allowed to wear you know, a football polo shirt with a gambling company or an alcohol company. Which is fair enough because they're for kids, but yeah, for adults, totally legal products. You could argue, well, well, why not? It's yeah, it, it's difficult to to draw the line. We talked about China before. Also, where did you draw the line there? We still trade with China. We would be our company, our economy would collapse without China without as a trading partner. Chinese partnerships, business partnerships, absolutely. So yeah, where can that line be be drawn? It's a really hard one. It's it's a really hard. You know, I admire the netball team for standing up for their ethical beliefs, but who's paying the bills? Who's paying their bills? That's you know, right. Again, they're employees. Yes, they're employees. Legal the sponsorship of legal products, who, as we said, finance their competition, pump a lot of money in. Yeah, you're right. Who are they to say? You could argue. You know, yeah. it's like the, although it's different, it wasn't sponsorship, but a bit like the Manly thing. No, I don't, that was my point. I was actually going to make the very same point that, you know, at the at the time, and I still stand by what I said, those players were employees of Manly. Manly owners made the decision they'd wear that jersey. You do what you're told by your employer. And I guess this case could be said as well. The netball needs the sponsorship money to continue to play at the level they are, to grow the sport. You're employed by Netball Australia or whatever they're called. You wear, as long as it's a legal company, should you be then forced to wear that logo, label, name on the front of your uniform for your own career? However, that said, I I can, and this is where you know I'm contradicting myself because I don't condone what the Manly players did, but I can understand where the Indigenous yeah. p- person within the Netball team stands or feels. For sure. And similar to, and you think back, you know, like um, Usman Khawaja with, with the VB sponsorship, yep. you know, good, being, being good, a Muslim. Good example. That doesn't sit, you know, he's just not, doesn't think that's appropriate. And he should, and I totally get that. Yeah. So it's, it's hard because Cricket Australia have every right to say, no, well, this is our, these are our sponsors. You're part of the team. You want to play for Australia? We've signed a deal that's paying your bills. You want to be part of this team that's part of the condition of your contract. It's a really and, it's a really fine line. Now, yeah, look, just on the, the gambling, I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong, but I personally believe, I don't think it'll disappear, but I, I think there will be a time where it's restricted more than it is now. I think, after, after, you know, I think the gambling sort of addiction lobby group, you know, groups and that are making noise and continue to make noise. It'll be interesting. It's not going away anytime soon. I don't think it's going away, but the the social cost to support those unfortunate people with a gambling addiction will outweigh the dollars of sponsorship, which is what happened with cigarette yeah. sponsorship. The, the social cost became too great. Eventually, yeah. And I think the gambling sponsorship will will go a similar way. Eventually. Eventually. Not not anytime soon. Yeah. Doesn't seem to be anyway. Yeah. But you're right. The anti-gambling lobby and voice is certainly becoming louder. It is coming louder and will continue to do so. But 
mentioned that with cigarettes, it took a long time, though, didn't it? It took a fair while, and alcohol particularly, for that to happen. Look, slightly different thing. It's funny the moral part of it too, isn't it? Once again, something totally not legal. This is probably a while ago, 10, 15 years ago. There was some team, yeah, it wasn't profe- highly professional, but they were sponsored by a brothel. I remember that caused a big hoo-ha about that once again. Not illegal, thing, but morally, all people morally have it, had is that, issues. Is that the appropriate place for that advertising to yeah. take place? Yeah. So it's, I guess I'm, my opinion is it's hard. It almost is on a case-by-case basis. Just back to Len Hancock too. But it's also like people, I'm not talking about him as such, but you know, myself, you know, grew up in the country that generally a lot of our, not saying it was what well, was bad, but we didn't know it at the time. Just some of our views 20 years ago, 30, you know, growing up these days, you look back, were considered quite racist. And you think, okay, well, does that make me a bad person? Well, no, because I've moved on from that and now my views are totally different. Yeah, it's, you know, so then, you know, if I was, you know, if someone had acquitted me 25 years ago, something I might have said, does that mean that, you Hold know, your accountable still now? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard, isn't it? It's really hard. It's, it's really hard. And, then we, and certainly we've got no answers, but I thought it was an interesting topic just to have a chat about because it's, Grab some headlines this week in in at least a couple of sports and and you and I personally have talked about the the impact and we believe negative impact on at least our viewing of sports with the the promotion of, of the gambling companies. Yep. Yeah, the promotion, the continued promotion of it, and uh, you just wonder, don't you? Where where to next? What will be the next big sponsorship type? Source, hmm. you wonder, don't you? Whether it's whether a new product or whether it's an extension of, you know, new forms of gambling or or whatever it might be, or or whether it goes back, it goes away from gambling back to, you know, alcohol. Yeah, it's interesting. The dollars have to for the sports to continue. The dollars have to come from somewhere. They do, and as we said at the start, without it, the professional sport won't exist, will it? Definitely not. And as I said, you know, Australia in general is a sports mad nation, but we're a very small population. We don't have the billionaires like the US just buy a team or England do the They'll buy a team and and run it. And we don't have the population for those external billionaires to buy into our teams. And I know some of the, the Russian pro previously of Russian billionaires bought the EPL teams and things like that. We don't, you know, we don't have the population to support those sort of clubs anyway. So it really does, in our case, in Australia's case, more so than say some of the European teams or North American teams, need that sponsorship to play at that really high level. That's right. Interestingly, someone was of at my work, a, a volunteer was in doing some ethics type work, and he was saying he actually works for a company. Their job is they outsource to other companies or particularly the people who are seeking sponsorship or advertising to do research on that company to dig deep and say, okay, they say they stand for this, but what companies, other companies do they own? What, you know what I mean? Sort of mm. to say, okay, are they actually preaching what they profess to to preach? Um, you know, which is interesting as well. So I think all companies now, any company wanting to be a sponsor you know, have have to be very transparent. Say this is what, you know, they certainly can't be saying, yeah, we're this company that does this, if they've got any, not skeletons in the closet, but if... Certainly now that the athletes themselves are speaking up more and more and where they personally stand ethically as opposed to the organisation who is really aligning with the sponsorship as opposed to the individuals. You know, individual athletes have can have private sponsorships as well and that's their decision. But when you're playing for, you know, Cricket Australia or Netball Australia or you know, the NRL or a club within, then they're signing the sponsorship deal. The players, do they have to live with that or do they have the right to speak out and say, no, that's... And as you said, there's been a couple of examples where players have stood up and said, I, I mm. doesn't which, align with my beliefs, you know, so I which, can't do it. Which takes guts. It does. And, and we keep saying it's very challenging. I guess that's where leadership comes in. You know, where 
we're two Muppets just watching and talking about it. But the administrators of Cricket Australia, Netball Australia, whoever, well, they have to make a decision, don't they? Because to us, we just, and the media just keep, are happy to report on it and we talk about it, but they need to make a decision. They either say to their employees as such, the players, you either, yes, you can do that, or no, you can't. And we don't. You know, it's easier, as you said, for us to sit back and have a, you know, rabbit on about it, but we don't know how many companies are lined up, if there's any lined up to, to sponsor the dollars involved in that sponsorship comparative to each other. They've got to make business decisions to make sure they can keep the best product possible on the field or on the court, whatever the case may be. So there's really business decisions that have to be made around that as well. Definitely. Um, important decisions. And as you said, there may not be another sponsor that's just you know ready to jump in or pay that you know, very, very big dollars. Look, I know in the NBL, the basketball, men's basketball comp league in Australia, there's a lot of talk in the media and in podcasts and conversation around that, but there's too much sponsorship on the courts themselves. It detracts from the game visually compared. And look, they're basically comparing to what North America and the NBA looks like. And I agree, it looks hideous. You've got huge Kmart signs and Bunning signs and sports bet signs and MGs. But it's necessary. If the league in Australia, which is a second-tier sport, and I accept that, is going to grow and become bigger, they need those dollars now. Yep. They need those dollars to continue. And the product's good and getting better, but it's because those dollars are there that allows the product to be good and get better. So as much as I hate it visually, I totally understand why the, the courts are covered in huge sponsorship mm. decals. Yep. To keep the money trick, to keep that money pumping in, to keep the product alive and to yeah. grow the product. Look, we've got no answers. No, but if you've got absolutely answers, no answers. If you've got answers out there or have opinions, please let us know. Flick us an email to spottingmuppets at gmail.com. Love to hear your thoughts on sponsorship, where you stand on it. For sure, for sure, Greg. And something I do have to ask you from last week's little chat. Did you get around to having a look at Charles Barkley's golf swing? I didn't, but I did look up the basketball player with the strange shot. Remember who it was? Daryl Dawkins. Okay. I'll have to have look that up. Look that one up, and I will look up Charles Barclay's golf swing. Yep. Make, I will ensure I do that ready for next week. Please do. All right, Greg. Well, I think that's our episode 16 has come to an end. Thanks so much for the chat. As I said, we started at the beginning not thinking there was much happening, but created a podcast with no problems at all. Really enjoyed it again. Ah, thanks for listening, everyone, and look forward to catching up in another week or so. Thanks all. Have a great week, and we'll be around again soon. Yeah.